0: Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food & Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Simple eggplant parmesan. I think it's heavenly. Thick slices of fresh eggplant are salted, dabbed dry, and roasted in a generous application of olive oil at high heat until deeply brown on both sides, i.e. almost like fried, but without the oil splatters and the spread of paper towels to drain the grease. So while they roast, you make a simple tomato sauce on the stove with onion, garlic, pepper flakes, softened in olive oil. You fan the slices of eggplant in a dish with sauce under and over them, cover it with a heap of mozzarella and parmesan, and bake it until blistered, cozy, and absolutely spoonable. Simple eggplant parmesan. This serves four to six, takes two hours, mostly hands-off, and the source is smitten kitchen. You'll need two pounds of eggplant cut into generously one-half-inch slices, kosher salt, olive oil, freshly ground black pepper, one small onion, finely chopped, 3 garlic cloves, minced, 1 quarter teaspoon of red pepper flakes, 1 28 ounce can of whole tomatoes, 1 teaspoon of dried oregano, A handful of fresh basil leaves, roughly chopped, 1 half cup of finely grated Parmesan or Pecorino cheese, and 8 ounces of grated or thinly sliced mozzarella. Yep, gluten free. To prepare the eggplant, you're going to arrange eggplant slices on a large half sheet baking pan in one layer. Sprinkle with about two teaspoons of kosher salt and set aside for 30 minutes. Then you're going to heat your oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit and then roast the eggplant. Transfer the eggplant slices to paper towels and blot them of as much excess water as possible. Dry the baking sheet too and coat it with three tablespoons of olive oil and sprinkle sprinkle the oil with several grinds of black pepper. Arrange the eggplant slices in one layer. Then drizzle with two more tablespoons of oil and more grinds of black pepper and roast until nicely browned underneath 20 to 25 minutes. Use a thin spatula to turn eggplant slices over and roast until browned underneath on the second side another 10 minutes. It's okay if they're not cooked through yet then you're going to reduce your oven temperature to 375 degrees. Meanwhile, make the sauce. While the eggplant roasts, open your can of tomatoes and use kitchen shears or very well-washed scissors to chop the tomatoes into small bits. Heat two tablespoons of olive oil in a medium or large saucepan over medium-high heat. Once it's hot, add the onion and cook until it softens about eight minutes. Add garlic and pepper flakes and cook another minute. Add tomatoes, beware the splatter, oregano and season with 1 teaspoon salt plus more to taste. Let the mixture simmer over low heat for about 10 minutes, stirring occasionally. If you'd like the sauce smoother than it is now, you can mash the tomatoes further with a potato masher as it cooks or use an immersion blender for completely smooth sauce. Stir in the basil and then taste the sauce and adjust the salt and pepper to taste. Next you're going to assemble in a 1.5 to 2-quart baking dish this holds about 6 to 8 cups. You're going to spoon about one half cup of the sauce. Arrange about half the eggplant slices, slightly overlapped in one layer. Spoon another half cup sauce over and spread it evenly. Then arrange the remaining eggplant slices and then ladle more sauce over it so it's as saucy as you like. You can keep the unused sauce in the fridge for another day. It will keep for about four to five days. Then you sprinkle the top with mozzarella and parmesan. You're gonna bake for 30 minutes until the saucy cheese has melted and the sauce is bubbling all over. For more color on top, you can briefly run it under your oven's broiler. To serve, once it's baked you're gonna let the eggplant parmesan rest at room temperature if you can bear it for 15 minutes more before digging in this helps the ingredients settle and come together it's not mandatory but this is excellent with a side of garlic bread as far as doing ahead eggplant parmesan keeps fantastically in the fridge for up to five days rewarm it in a 350 degree oven covered for the first half the time for about 25 to 30 minutes. You can also freeze it well-wrapped for a few months. I am gonna try that recipe no doubt. So since we're on the eggplant thing, we're gonna go ahead and have another recipe for one with pasta, in case you're missing the pasta from that one. This one is rigatoni with eggplant puree. So seeing as I'm never short of opinions on anything, most especially when it comes to the many Food Network chefs that so often grace my television set, Alex calls the Sunday noontime shows my stories, I can't believe I haven't said a single word about Giada. <laughs> Let me redress that right now. I really want to like her and no, not in the way that my husband might. I'll see her cooking something and it always looks pretty good and like it could could be tasty but I so rarely feel the need to make it myself because I'm not convinced that say adding mint to a basil pesto is gonna make it more interesting or that adding crushed almond cookies to an ice cream sundae for an authentic Italian flavor is any of the things described. Does this actually improve it or just make it different? But three times lately I saw her making dishes that I was too curious not to make most recently in the format of a fairly effortless pasta sauce from roasted vegetables and I ended up with well the absolute ugliest pasta dish to have graced the smitten kitchen pureed eggplant is never gonna win a beauty contest and actually the word puree is kinda ick too right it just sounds like baby food but fortunately it tastes a lot better to make this you roast eggplant with cherry tomatoes whole garlic cloves, salt, pepper, and red pepper flakes before pureeing it with more oil, fresh mint, but I also like this with basil, and a lot of pasta water to make a sauce that is mixed with parmesan, though this could be easily skipped if you want to make it vegan. The pasta is topped with toasted pine nuts, and if you like these ingredients, I'm sure you're drooling right now. This recipe is simple and fairly quick, and the resulting dish was hearty and original. I'd worried that the flavor would be flat but it was well-seasoned and anything but and I was glad I'd overcome my skepticism to try it so now who wants to hedge bets on that short rib tagliatelle so this is for rigatoni with eggplant puree it serves six it takes one hour and the source is adapted from Giada De Lerantes. sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name Giada I'm doing my best the first time that I made this, I found my out-of-season, underwhelming eggplant to be a total sponge. I had to keep adding pasta water to get it saucy. But in the time since, I've not had this experience repeated, possibly possibly helped by the fact that I now just make it in the late summer when I can get eggplants and cherry tomatoes in season, and only a splash or two of pasta cooking water are needed. So these days I like to cook the pasta with the sauce for a minute or two so it better adheres and so you don't make an Italian Nonna cry. And while it's still excellent with Parmesan, I like it even more with ricotta salata grated on top. I also use basil instead of mint. Both work so just use what you prefer. This recipe was fully refreshed with new notes and photos in September of 2017. So, for the ingredients, you're going to need one medium eggplant cut into one inch cubes, one pint or two cups of cherry tomatoes, three cloves cloves of garlic peeled, three tablespoons of olive oil, one teaspoon of kosher salt, one teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, one teaspoon of red pepper flakes, you're going to adjust that amount to your taste, one pound of dried rigatoni pasta. 1 quarter cup of torn fresh mint or basil leaves plus a couple of extra slivered to finish and then three tablespoons of olive oil one half cup of grated parmesan or shown in the pictures here ricotta salata and one quarter cup of toasted pine nuts you're going to heat your oven to 400 degrees fahrenheit and line a large baking sheet with parchment paper in a large bowl combine the eggplant cherry tomatoes garlic, 3 tablespoons of olive oil, salt, pepper, and red pepper flakes to taste, and then spread the vegetables out in an even layer on the baking sheet. Roast in the oven until the vegetables are tender and the eggplant is golden. That'll be about 35 minutes. Meanwhile, bring a large pot of salted water to boil over high heat. Add the pasta and cook until tender but a full minute shy of done, so about 8 to 10 minutes then drain the pasta but reserve a cup or so of the cooking water transfer the roasted vegetables I use the parchment paper as a sling to a food processor or blender and then add the torn mint or basil leaves and an additional three tablespoons of olive oil and blend until almost smooth return the pasta to the cooking pot pour the sauce over it and splash about a third cup of cooking water and cook together tossing so that the pasta is evenly coated over medium-high heat for one to two minutes. Add more pasta cooking water one ladleful at a time as needed if you need to kind of loosen up the sauce. Transfer your pasta and sauce to a serving bowl and garnish with the extra herbs, pine nuts, and parmesan or ricotta salata and serve. Yum! Next we're gonna have a recipe for Zucchini and ricotta galette. This looks kind of like a pizza with um, zucchini in the middle, it's, but it's so it's savory and lovely. I realized this week that it has been way, way too long since I made a galette. I remember being infatuated with them when I launched this site. Wow, hey, did you know this site is almost four years old? Well, I gotta tell you, it's way older than that now. <laughs> Add another 13 years, so 17 years old but i was absolutely not paying attention. It's kind of like when i was hanging out with the baby yesterday evening and he kind of crawled up over the coffee table and put it, pulled himself up to standing and whoa, when did that happen? Who taught him that? Could you unteach him that, please? Thank you. I digress. Galettes. My galette obsession began with a wild mushroom and blue cheese galette that a friend and i used to make every christmas. It's unbelievably good. It will always be welcome anywhere. Have you made it? You should. I moved on to a roasted butternut squash and caramelized onion galette the next fall. And oh man, I would not kick that out of the kitchen for eating crackers. That's how the saying goes, right? The next winter was all about Eastern Europe with a cabbage and mushroom galette with chopped hard-boiled egg, dill, and greens. I bet you didn't know a little tart could be so filling, huh? And then, I don't know, apparently stopped making savory galettes, and it's such a shame, because what each of these has in common is a crust so amazing, you will not believe it came out of your own kitchen. Seriously, when I made it again yesterday, I was not sure I could tell it apart from store-bought puffed pastry. I'm not bragging, it's a fine, fine recipe I adapted from an old William sonoma cookbook so I had been looking for something that would allow zucchini and ricotta to play off of each other and I found it in an old cooks illustrated recipe for a tart I played around with the levels and ended up with this a simple summer dinner or an appetizer for something more intense zucchini are piled high at the markets right around now but even if they weren't I think you could easily swap yellow summer squash or even eggplant though I would cut it thinner so it cooks faster. I'm curious to try this with tomatoes too perhaps if you seeded them it wouldn't get too soggy, but mostly and most importantly it is perfect the way it is. It begs for a big green salad and a glass of dry white wine and frankly so do I. <laughs> Here's the recipe zucchini and ricotta galette the crust adapted from William Sonoma filling the adapted from a cook's illustrated tart. I might be tempted to double the cheese filling next time that I make this it puffed beautifully in the oven but then deflated a bit then again at their current levels the zucchini and cheese balance each other nicely so there's something to be said for not fixing what ain't broken, right? Since I ood and nod over this crust for those that like to dissect recipes as I do I thought I'd note that funnily enough it's an almost match for my favorite pie dough In technique as well, save for two ingredients which apparently make all of the difference. One quarter cup of sour cream and two teaspoons of lemon juice. What this makes is an even flakier, softer pastry, the kind that leaves croissant crumbs everywhere. I know the next obvious question, Uh, so can I use this for pie dough? But I do not advise it. It is too soft. It will get soaked and deflated under all of that heavy baked fruit. It is at its best when it is freeform, just like this. So, this serves six. For the pastry, you'll need one and a quarter cups of all purpose flour, chilled in the freezer for 30 minutes, one quarter teaspoon of salt, eight tablespoons or one stick of cold unsalted butter, cut into pieces and chilled again, one quarter cup of sour cream, two teaspoons of fresh lemon juice one quarter cup of ice water for the filling one large or two small zucchinis sliced into one quarter inch thick rounds one tablespoon plus one teaspoon of olive oil one medium garlic clove minced that's about a teaspoon one half cup of ricotta cheese one half cup or about one ounce of a grated parmesan cheese one quarter cup or about one ounce of shredded mozzarella and one tablespoon of slivered basil leaves. For the glaze, you'll need one egg yolk beaten with one teaspoon of water. To make the dough, you're gonna whisk together the flour and salt in a large bowl, sprinkle bits of butter over the dough, and using a pastry blender, cut it in until the mixture resembles coarse meal, with the biggest pieces of butter the size of tiny peas. In a small bowl, you're gonna whisk together this sour cream, lemon juice and water and add this to the butter mixture. With your fingertips or a wooden spoon mix in the liquid until the large lumps form. Pat the lumps into a ball. Do not overwork the dough. Cover with plastic wrap and refrigerate for one hour. To make the filling, you're gonna spread the zucchini out over several layers of paper towels. Sprinkle with a half teaspoon salt and let drain for 30 minutes gently blot the tops of the zucchini dry with the paper towels before using and in a small bowl whisk the olive oil and the garlic together then set aside in a separate bowl mix the ricotta parmesan mozzarella and one teaspoon of the garlicky olive oil together and season with salt and pepper to taste prepare the galette you're gonna preheat your oven to 400 degrees and on a floured work surface roll the dough into a 12-inch round. Transfer to an ungreased baking sheet. Spread the ricotta mixture evenly over the bottom of the glut dough, leaving a 2-inch border. And then shingle the zucchini attractively on the top of the ricotta in concentric circles starting at the outside edge. Drizzle the remaining tablespoon of the garlic and olive oil mixture evenly over the zucchini. Fold the border over the filling pleating the edge to make it fit, and the center will be open. You're going to brush the crust with egg yolk glaze. Bake the galette until the cheese is puffed and the zucchini is slightly wilted and the galette is golden brown. That'll be about 30 to 40 minutes. Remove from the oven, sprinkle with basil, let stand for five minutes, and then slide the galette onto a serving plate. Cut into wedges and serve hot, warm, or at room temperature. Banana crepe cake with yogurt and walnut butterscotch. It looks incredibly beautiful, but pay attention on this one. <laughs> it's like gonna be stacking up some crepes and you're gonna impress your friends with this one. First, crepes are magical. Once you accept that the first one always goes in the trash, that things are really much easier with a nonstick pan and if you struggle with crepe filling try to embrace my weirdo two spatula crepe filling technique described below and you will hit your stride and wonder why you don't make crepes more often and you should they keep fantastically well in the fridge for a few days even they reheat well they never stick to each other so you can just stack them up so with no fancy separators required now a note about banana flavor The crepes taste the most strongly of banana when served simply. As other ingredients are added, like this filling, the banana flavor is less loud, but the overall flavor tumbles dreamily together. If you'd like it to scream banana, you might add paper-thin slices of banana throughout the crepe layers. It will also stack the cake a little bit higher. So this is perfect for a decadent brunch, meal, or party. The crepes are barely sweetened, the filling remains tangy and only moderately sweet, and the butterscotch is as small of a yield as you need to just cover the top. You'll need four tablespoons of butter, melted and cooled slightly, plus extra for greasing the pan. One large, it's a speckly ripe banana, then you'll need one cup of milk, three quarters cups of all-purpose flour, four large eggs, 2 tablespoons of light brown sugar, 1 half teaspoon of vanilla extract, 1 quarter teaspoon of table salt, 1 half teaspoon of ground cinnamon, and 1 quarter teaspoon of freshly grated nutmeg, and a pinch of ground cloves. For the cream cheese yogurt filling, you'll need 8 ounces of cream cheese, well softened, 1 12 cups of plain Greek style yogurt, one-third cup of granulated sugar, one-half teaspoon of vanilla extract, and for the walnut butterscotch topping you'll need one-half cup of heavy whipping cream, one-quarter cup of packed dark brown sugar, one tablespoon of unsalted butter at room temperature, one-half cup of chopped walnuts toasted, one-half teaspoon of vanilla extract, and one quarter teaspoon of flaky sea salt or to taste. To make the crepe batter, you're going to blend banana in a food processor until it's totally smooth. Add melted butter and blend again. Then add the remaining ingredients and blend until they are combined. And Then you're going to transfer the batter which will look pretty thin to a bowl and it's even easier later if the bowl has a spout. You're going to cover it with plastic wrap and chill for at least an hour, preferably overnight, and up to two days. When you remove the batter, it will seem surprisingly thick, and stir it to redistribute the ingredients before you use it. To cook the crepes, you're going to heat a medium skillet or crepe pan over medium-high heat. Once heated, brush the pan thinly with melted butter. Pour 1 quarter cup of batter into the skillet, swirling it until it evenly coats the bottom, and cook undisturbed until the bottom is golden and the top is set about two to three minutes. Flip the crepe and cook it for 30 seconds on the other side before transferring it to a plate to cool. Repeat with the remaining batter. You can stack your crepes and they should not stick together. Let the crepes cool completely. So here's my weirdo two spatula crepe flipping method. I have two spatulas handy one flexible fish style spatula and one smaller like an offset icing spatula i slide the larger one just a little bit under the crepe and lift it enough that i can slide the smaller one under i lift it enough so that i can get the larger one far under enough under the crepe and then i use the larger one alone to flip it it makes it very easy i promise Then you're going to make the filling. You're going to whip the cream cheese until fluffy, then beat in the yogurt one half cup at a time. And when fully combined, add the sugar and vanilla, then beat until rich and fluffy just another minute. Assemble the crepe cake. You're going to lay the first crepe on a cake plate or a serving platter. Spread with a quarter cup of the yogurt cream cheese filling, and then repeat with all but the last remaining crepe, which should be stacked but have no filling on top, as it is the lid. To make the walnut butterscotch sauce, you're going to combine the cream, brown sugar and butter in the bottom of a medium heavy saucepan over medium high heat. Bring the mixture to a boil and then reduce the heat and then let it simmer for 10 minutes, stirring occasionally in the beginning and more frequently as it reduces and thickens. You'll know it's done when it becomes thick and smells toasty. Stir in the vanilla and salt and then the walnuts. And immediately pour over the stack of filled crepes, nudging the butterscotch to the edges with your spoon, if it goes over the edge, so be it. Serve immediately, or keep in the fridge until ready to serve. The crepe cake keeps for up to three days, possibly longer, but good luck with that. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at